Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm, walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you Johnny man? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Second Captain Football. Thanks for, for tuning in. Owen McDevitt's on holiday, so it's Kieran Murphy here sitting in for him. And uh, to prepare for this, Ken, yeah. I've really pulled out all the stops on the research side of things. Right. What would Owen McDevitt do in a situation like this? Have a look at the Premier League table. Yeah. That's what. That's usually what he does. He would has a, have a quick. It's one dance. of the things he does. Yeah. Uh, so there they are. I uh, had a look, and Liverpool are on top of the Premier League table with six days to go in the, in the season. Now I consider myself a pretty good judge of mood and character. Yeah. And the Liverpool fans that I know seem, I don't know, a little nonplussed by this development. Yeah. I mean, they soared back to the top of the Premier League last night. Yeah, but I think you need to look at the. I mean, you're probably looking at the just the points. Call him yeah. under PTS there. Yeah, what but you want to look PL at the one. P. That yeah. doesn't matter, does it? It does. Yeah, it actually does. So, um, for that reason, I don't think there's too many of them going to be uh, going to be too happy with the current situation. Yeah, it, there is a chance, though. I mean, there there is a small chance that Liverpool can still win the league title. I would say that if City draw tomorrow night, if if City need to draw only need a draw on the last day of the season, they're probably going to beat the hell out of West Ham. Yeah. Probably beat them 4 or 5 nil. Yeah. But if they need to win on the last day, I'm, not, I'm still not entirely sure that I trust this. As Gary Neville was saying on Monday Night Football, was it last week or whatever, mm. he doesn't, I, like, I don't trust City, and he, he certainly didn't seem to, to trust City. They had to win the league with, uh, two years ago by beating the 17th best team in the Premier League that year. Yeah. And they... And they did. Quite, quite hard work of it, though. They did it, though. Um, and they were kind of unlucky not to win that game by by a lot more. I mean, is the thing about that, that uh, keep your game. I mean, I think Gary Neville, when he says he doesn't trust City, is, is really, we all know what Gary Neville's, we all know what Gary Neville's game is there, you know. I mean, I, I've never heard a team uh, sort of uh, marooned in the lower reaches of the Premier League, hyped up to the extent of Aston Villa, over the last couple of days, oh, they did. Neville, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, saying they do crazy things on the counter attack. Mm. 
you know, I'm thinking Gabby Agbonlahor. He was talking about Gabby Agbonlahor, Gabby Agbonlahor like, who who may not even be fit because he he had to go off in the last game with an injury. So, um, I mean, Ben Tech is obviously already out. As for the last game, the Manchester City play West Ham. I mean, Manchester City beat West Ham by so many goals earlier this season that Edin Dzeko, even though he'd scored in the game, forgot how many goals they'd scored. He see, I think he said, "Oh, it's great! Yeah, it's great. Whenever you the, win five nil, League Cup semi final, yeah. yeah." And uh, and and they said, "No, it was six nil." And 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 he said, "Oh, right, okay. Well, I suppose <laughs> that's even better." Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think um, given that one of those teams now have to beat Manchester City or both to draw with them, which would be just insane. I think, um, yeah, I think I think Manchester City are looking good. Mm, okay, let's get into uh, Ken Early's report on sport. And the reason that they're looking good is obviously this uh, astonishing match last night, in which, um, well, uh, <laughs> what can you say? A lot of people have had a lot to say about the match uh, since, even Spurs, uh, the mm. Spurs official account, uh, getting in on the act. Uh, there is something incredibly funny about seeing a team. Uh, broken in such a way uh, Liverpool they dream big uh, and they're waking up to a really horrible really horrible reality now mm-hmm. um, it's almost as though they really have gone into school not wearing any trousers <laughs> <laughs> they've arrived in the school and their, their trousers are never to be seen and they've realised that this is not actually a dream this is reality yeah. and everybody is uh, all the schoolmates are laughing pointing fingers at them and taking photographs of them and uploading it to their social media. Uh, and it's attracting thousands of likes and going uh, viral globally. Um, Liverpool are, you know, if you can imagine them being a little schoolboy somewhere in a, you know, a, a national school, mm. uh, are now globally famous. <laughs> you know, um, like one of those fat kids who sings on the internet, you know. The, yeah, yeah. Or the, the guy who pretends he was a Jedi. Yeah, that, on that's, YouTube. That's what we're talking about. Ha! Look at the boy who came to school without any trousers on. For real, it wasn't just a dream in his case. Um, so as I said, even Tottenham getting in on this, posting the vine, which probably everybody listening to this program will already have seen. Uh, Six-second clip. Steven Gerrard gathers his players together and tells them, "This does not slip." Next couple of seconds, Stephen Jarrett slips, Demba Ba scores, and then Gale scores for Crystal Palace, and at the end, Tony Pulis, uh, with a toothy grin. It's uh, a tightly edited piece of work. I mean, you, you mean, you don't have a lot of time on Vine. Well, see, we, we know all the cram images. a lot the, in there. The images, the images already echo in eternity. It's just to, to, to put them all together like that, um, just to, to remind everyone. It seems to tickle everyone's funny bone. Mm. I mean, this is, it is a Shakespearean level of tragedy, though, that we're dealing with here. Uh, yeah. Over the last eight days for a Liverpool fan have been extremely tough. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, we're even as thinking back as a sporting nation to what happened against the All Blacks mm. with us last November, I mean, that's pretty much exactly what Liverpool fans are going through at the moment. Is it Shakespearean or is it Greek, I wonder? I mean, it's hard. maybe it's actually a mixture of both. Well, I there's mean, a lot of sort of your own... You know, personal character flaws being revealed. Yeah. You know, you get senses of it, but yeah. then in the fifth act, yeah. You know, it becomes clear that you will be taken down by those. There was a sense that Brendan Rodgers was surfing a, a mighty wave for a while there. One of those big waves that you sometimes see on the front of the newspaper. You know. Yeah. It, uh, we we get quite proud of those. I think in Ireland. Yeah. You see, like a 
120 foot mountain of water um, with a tiny figure surfing, uh, you know, across the face of it. And I think we patriotically feel, you know, we're like, that's an Irish wave. We can do up a pretty good wave in this country. We certainly do. It's one of the things that we do best. And uh, and Brennan Rogers was like that tiny figure uh, in his, uh, his gaily colored wetsuit, red probably, probably a red wetsuit, um, surfing across the face of that wave. And I guess he fell off. And now it's a case of, you know, where is he? You know, there's, there's been this, this crash, the crest of the wave has curled over, there's this sea, is this boiling foam, and, uh, you know, we're all just waiting mm. to see uh, Brendan Rogers pop back up like a cork uh, in the midst of it all. Yeah, I mean, obviously there are, you can point to mistakes that Rogers has made in the last eight days. Draw against Chelsea, hang on to a 3-0, uh, 3-0 win, or a 3-0 uh, lead against Crystal Palace, Liverpool are winning the league this year. Mm. But he he seemed to point the finger in the, in the immediate aftermath of the game at really bad individual errors. Mm. And to be fair, we all saw them. They were terrible, terrible individual errors. I mean, Rodgers has gotten them to a position scarcely imaginable to Liverpool fans at the start of this season. So if he's undone by personal, you know, Gerrard slip, mm. Martin Skirtle deciding to... Just the guy standing directly behind me, he's probably fine. Someone's, <laughs> someone's probably got him. I mean, you can't, you can't focus to an unfair degree on Rodgers here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, it, it's, I think when you look at it, it's, it's been such a weird uh, season. I mean, they're up to 99 goals scored now, which is a record. I mean, they've already broken the club record for goals scored in the season a couple of weeks back. Um, but they've conceded nearly 50. It's amazing, you know. Uh, and they concede in in more than one goal so many times. And this was a problem they had last season as well, which apparently they've done nothing to address, even though they actually did sign. um, Well, Sacco cost a fair bit of money. Ilori they also signed, and then immediately seemed to farm back out again. Uh, He hasn't made much much impact, I guess. Um, there's There's not really been any improvement there. I mean, I think what I've been talking about all season that I kind of I do feel that there is a genius working at Liverpool and he was the guy that we all saw crying last night or couldn't see crying actually because he pulled his shirt up over his head and walked off walked off the pitch like that um I think he's the you know he's really been the uh I think if they if they had a chance of winning the league this year it was him you know it was it was down to him you know he's named footballer of the year again um, so he completes the double of the Player of the Year awards. And he didn't have a particularly good game last night, nor did he have a good game against uh, Chelsea. And it's not really a coincidence, in my opinion, that Liverpool don't win those games. Yeah, but I mean, can you assign how well, say, a guy like Jordan, and his absence has been felt too, uh, definitely over the last couple of weeks, but can you assign the huge improvement in Jordan Henderson, Daniel Sturridge? I mean, Raheem Sterling is obviously a very good player, but... Mm. To have a teenager play like that, you have to credit the manager with the development in those, say, those three guys in particular. Well, I, I, I first of all would tend to credit the players for for the progress that they make. Sterling, I'm prepared to give you because he's a teenager, and who knows? We don't know the upper limits of what he could achieve yeah. because he does look like a, an exceptional player. But yeah. a guy like Henderson, who was you know proclaimed a busted flush two seasons ago, yeah. Um, 
to see how well he's played, I mean, you, you would have to give Rodgers a lot of credit for that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he's I think they have played well. I mean, Sturridge has, has played well for most of the season. Coutinho has uh, Coutinho's been really good. Um, I mean, I suppose the acid test of all this will come next season if Suarez is no longer there. I mean, then we get to then we get a test case. Okay, yeah. now we've we've changed the variables. Now let's see how how uh, how this goes if if indeed Brendan Rodgers has worked miracles here. Yeah, it's because it's, it's interesting. Like a lot of people do seem to be uh, ascribing to this thing that oh, this is Liverpool's best chance that mm. they've blown that that they haven't just blown it for this season, but that they've blown it in such a way that they won't be back into this position for the next five or six years. I, I don't really. I don't really see the sense in that. I mean, obviously, if they lose Suarez, that's a big thing. But if mm. they hold on to Suarez next season, I don't really... You know, Chelsea will have, probably have Diego Costa or, they, yeah. you know, some brilliant striker that... You know, it's a brilliant striker that may or may not immediately settle in and make Chelsea 10 points a better team. Mm. I think Man City are going to be Man City, the Man City that we've seen for the last three seasons, which is, to say, quite fallible. Mm. If Manchester United have Louis van Gaal, well... That means they're going to be better than they were this season, but how much better? I'm, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. And if, well, a lot, if you're I, Liverpool, if, in my if, opinion, a lot of things have to go right for Liverpool next season for them to be in the position where, with three games to go, seven points will win them the title. Yeah, well, well, if you're if you're Fenway and you're looking at okay, how much money do I actually want to spend on Liverpool this this summer? Mm. You're in a much better position this summer than you were last summer. Certainly, I mean, you're you know you're you're much more bullish about the prospect of uh, putting money into Liverpool this season than, or this summer than you were last summer. Yeah. No, I think so. I mean, it's like, although, I don't know, will they necessarily do that? Because maybe they think that that doesn't work. I mean, maybe spending only works if you're the biggest spending club in the league. Because then that's the only way that you can be sure you're actually going to get the best players. I mean, you could spend a lot of money, but, you know, if you're, you could do a Tottenham on it. You know what Tottenham did this season? I mean, they spent nearly a hundred million pounds uh, on players who have mostly made no impact. I mean, Christian Eriksen's the only one who's done anything for them. Yeah. Um, so maybe there's a kind of sense that well, if you if you are going to spend a lot of money, you better really really spend money in the manner of Chelsea or Manchester City, because otherwise you you may actually be throwing money away to little effect. You know, I mean, Manchester United, I think, spent seventy million pounds. Did they really improve their team? I don't think they did. I think um, if I think if you're, well, I mean there there's another angle to this as well that Liverpool is a much more appetising prospect to players now this this summer than they were last summer as well. The the chance to play in a Brendan Rodgers team. I mean, mm. if you're an attacking player, you would like you you would like it's, that. It's so it's so difficult though to know what what to do because the the kind of you've got a side which has obviously got some kind of a chemistry about it. You know what exactly is going on in it. I'm not sure. I mean, if you could sit Brendan Rodgers down, would he be able to explain to you how is it that this team that you've got has, has, has smashed the record for goals? Certainly, the, uh, Liverpool have had a 148 goals in their games, add together, <laughs> which is by far the most of any that there's ever been in a team's games in a, in a Premier League season. Um, you know, they've, they've scored more away goals than any team has ever scored in the, in the Premier League. I think the last team to score 48, which is what they've scored, to score more than that, was Tottenham when they won the double in 1961. So you're talking about freakish figures. Now, obviously, the chances of repeating them, because they're, you, you, they're necessarily freakish kind of tallies, is small. But what do you do? I mean, the, the, the most obvious area where they can improve is by letting in fewer goals. But if they do that, do they then 
take away whatever it is that that has made them um, so effective attacking. You know, it's well, a, re- I, I think it's a difficult honest, one to know. Yeah, is I it just a question you, of the quality of, of players? Yeah, like I, that's what you would look at the goals that Liverpool have conceded this season. I think you can point to a lot of individual error. Mm. I mean, not for all, whatever it is, 49 of them or whatever, which is an absurd tally yeah. uh, to concede. Um, but you can point at quite a few of them and say, well, there's a pretty blatant systems error there. Yeah. Uh, that's to blame for that. But I mean, I'd, I'd like, you know, United did this in 1992. I mean, yeah. bottled the league yeah. horribly against Leeds, came back and won it the next, the next season. Yeah, but I think in that, in that circumstance, I mean, there was no... Um, you know, Manchester United in 1992 were probably the the richest club in the league. I mean, yeah, you could say they were the, probably the biggest club in the league. You know, and they had uh, it wasn't as though there were other teams that were prepared that that clearly had a lot more money than they did. You know, which is, which is the case with Liverpool. I mean, there there are five teams that have a larger payroll than Liverpool at the moment. Who are uh, Manchester City, Manchester, uh, Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham. So there's a lot of teams who, who are who are stronger, or have a stronger financial base. I mean, whether Tottenham have a stronger financial base is, is debatable. Um, uh, in fact, they they probably don't. They're, you're talking about a, a team which is more or less on a on a yeah. par with Liverpool. But you know, you've got teams which are definitely stronger. Um, but could you say that United were the biggest team in the league in 1992 when they hadn't won the league for 25 years? Well, they had, you know, this big stadium and this, uh, the sense of a team that was that was really coming together, you know, that it that yeah, was... It's, it kinda, it's easy to say that looking back, though, when, mm. they, when they go on and win the league. They'd, won, a FA, the they'd won an FA Cup, they'd won the European Cup Winners' Cup. Even that season when they blew it, they won the League Cup. So they won a trophy three years in a row. You know, they were they were clearly a force again in a way that they hadn't been for... Some time on, on any consistent basis, mm, you know. Uh, I, th- this to me looks a bit more like the Newcastle ninety five ninety six. You know, it's the same type of 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 thing. I mean, it, it's been a slightly different season because Newcastle actually racked up a lot of points sort of in the first half of the season. It was the first half of the season when they were brilliant and they were scoring three four goals, and then they started to slow down. And by by the time they got to March. April, they were beginning to throw points away mm. and were staggering into the last. Whereas Liverpool had, had actually been like a train until last week. Yeah. Literally and that's last what makes week. it obviously more painful in that it's a more concentrated yeah. capitulation as opposed to Newcastle over the course of three months. Gradually so the wheels so you, can't think, you can't assume that you're going to come back and do all the things that you did as well this season, next season, only you're going to improve on the things that you did wrong. You have to, you know, to the good things that they've done this season have been remarkable and it will be very difficult i think to match their own achievements from this season um when it when it comes time to do it again you know next summer i think it's going to be you know i think uh, and then you've got the the way in which i mean when newcastle blew the title it marked kevin keegan forever yeah. that was it established his reputation. Now that had a lot to do with the interview and the sort of very memorable image of Keegan jabbing his finger and you know I would love it, you know, and and the way that he had he had clearly been rattled. And there hasn't been any of that from Rogers, but you know you're talking about a you know team which was seven points from winning the league, but ultimately ended up conceding 49 goals. Not in not in the last three games, but I mean that's. It's a, it's a similar type of thing, and you, and you wonder, you know, when it, what I'm saying is, if if they're in this position again, 
if they're in this position again, it's like, you know, Rory McIlroy or whatever. Rory McIlroy, there's a 25% chance of a meltdown here if he yeah. gets into a position where he, he may, um, with a few holes to go, win a, win a major. This is, you know, which way is it going to go? Yeah. Uh, and there's going to be these kind of questions asked. You know, there's going to be an extra layer of pressure the next time Liverpool, if they are, if there is a next time that they're in this position under yeah. Brendan Rodgers, the, uh, the the team that's going to win the league then, mm. uh, Man City, if we if we can agree on that, uh, they've a, a little bit of a hiccup this morning, forty nine million pounds of a of a fine. Is that is that correct? 49? Sixty million euros from yeah. uh, UEFA. Now this is um, essentially financial fair play. Uh, now they're not being thrown out of the uh, Champions League. However, uh, UEFA are going to find them apparently 60 million euros um, and limit them to having a 21-man squad for the Champions League. Usually you've got a 25-man squad. Now, when you say 21-man squad instead of 25, it doesn't sound like that much, but eight of the players have to be like homegrown players or locally trained mm. players, uh, which, for, which... So you're talking about um, 13 players being your mm. usual Manchester City players. Suffice to say, if you're Man City, the players numbered... 22, 23, 24, 25 in your Champions League squad would be four homegrown players. I think it's probably fair to fair to assume. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, what the adding out the numbers. We the, this this is, has been reported essentially by uh, Le Keep, um, and City are uh, negotiating with UEFA at the moment over what might happen. And according to the source who spoke to Le Keep, says PSG are close to agreement, but it's fair to say City are haggling a lot harder. PSG are obviously going to be. Um, <clears throat> penalised as well. UEFA decided apparently that we were talking a while ago about the um, the sponsorship deal that Paris Saint Germain had with the Qatar Tourist Authority, um, which was worth two hundred million euros a year, and was backdated uh, to long before it was actually signed or in effect, um, in order to make their accounts look even better. And UEFA have apparently decided that that should be valued at half of its top line sort of. Uh, worth mm-hmm. so rather than 200 million a year UEFA are actually only going to count 100 million of that as income and the other 100 million is just disregarded um, because it's because they reckon that it's Qatar Tourist Authority might have something to do it might be a related party deal you know yeah. the Paris Saint-Germain are owned by Qatar Sports Investments mm, they've got this mega deal with an, another Qatari company maybe that's you know linked in some way it could possibly be so um, yeah, the, the, I mean, uh, I, I don't know how serious a sanction this is deemed to be. Obviously, Manchester City will, will fight against it and, and uh, dispute this to the end. And, and it kind of reminds me of uh, Principal Skinner telling Bart that he's got two weeks' detention. Yeah. Bart goes, I can do that stand on my head. <laughs> yeah. I think- Four weeks' detention. Well, then maybe I'll just shut my big mouth. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, I'm not entirely sure that they're taking this as... No, you know, seriously, it's, it's it's. I mean, you know, it, it's, they're still they're they're not going to be thrown out of European competition. Put it that way, they might just have to um, uh, do without one or two of their uh, mid-ranking players. Mm. Uh, but I mean, I mean, so you wouldn't even look on this as I don't think even remotely like a distraction coming into the last. No, but but I, I mean, the the thing about it, the only thing about it is that it does raise some issues. Uh, in, in terms of in the context of what we've been talking about, say Liverpool's chances of next season going and, and repeating something like this season in the face of what you would expect to be stronger teams from Manchester City, from Chelsea. Well, maybe, you know, if, if the teams are going to look at these penalties and think to themselves, well, how much money can we spend? You know, I mean, Chelsea might like to 
spend a huge amount of money. I mean, they're they're clearly going to buy a striker. This is what Mourinho's been talking about. We need a killer. Uh, we need a killer to essentially win these games that my tactical system keeps drawing. You know, we need a guy who can just do something amazing because... It's a strange uh, I think thing it's, for a manager to come out and say, isn't it? I mean... I can only do so much, and then after that, I'm depending on a guy to just score me 30 goals a season, well, like and all of those it's, goals. It's be realistic really in a way, though. Isn't it? It's it's kind of it's like the Italian approach to football. It's like, okay, we all defend, and then we kick the ball up the other end, and uh, ideally Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, they're like the perfect striker. He'll just he'll score for us, you know. Yeah. The Bergkamp book was all about this when he when he went to Italy, uh, he went to Inter, um, Inter looking jealously at all the Dutch players at AC Milan. Thought, well. We'll sign a Dutch player. Um, and so they signed Bergkamp. But when he arrived there, what he found was a team which was all these big, um, uh, brawny, macho defenders um, who loved defending. I mean, they really loved, they really loved defending, suffering, fouling, uh, playing dirty. This, thank God we signed this Dutchman now because he's going to score all the goals. Yeah, yeah. but this was, this was the thing. You know, it was like the ball would come up, you know, all the injury defenders would... Um, would weep and boot the ball away. And then Bergkamp would be up the field, would get the ball, turn around to pass it to someone and see all the guys standing back there in the round penalty area watching him, you know? <laughs> well, what are you going to do with it now? And Bergkamp saying, but this isn't, this isn't the way we play. I mean, you guys need to push up, you know? I need to have passing options. We need to compress the space. There has to be short distances between us. So how else do you think you can play football? You can't just play football by kicking the ball up and me and Zamorano are going to try and score, whoever it was. Like, he, he really hated the guy who he was who he was playing with, um, Bergkamp. It wasn't Zamorano. I can't remember. The he was guy. at Inter a lot later. He was a South American striker. I can't believe that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, he really hated that guy. But that guy everyone else loved, all the other Inter players, because he played football exactly the way they expected. We stand back, boot the ball up. That guy gets it, dribbles, shoots, usually doesn't score, sometimes does. And afterwards, we all go for dinner together. <laughs> and, and it's great. Whereas Bergkamp just goes home to his wife, doesn't want to go to dinner with anybody, and moans to, to the rest of us about not playing football. Mourinho essentially is of the same school. He's like, there are some players who, are, who have big, big balls. Mm. You know, this is the kind of thing Mourinho, this is what he's been saying all season. There's, there's not, not a lot of balls around when I look around me in this Chelsea dressing room. I need some players with big, big balls. And those guys are going to come in. Looks like someone got a little too comfortable playing with, uh, uh, managing a team with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, that was, that was perfect. You know, it's like you've got a player like that. You can, you can have the rest of the guys kind of sit back and focus on not conceding. And then you've got this one guy who's able to score. It's like Diego Costa might be able to do this for Chelsea. Um, and it does make sense. I mean, what the pro- Chelsea's problem at the moment is that they don't have that player. I mean, they've got the... They've got the padlock. They've got the way of not conceding, but they don't necessarily have the um, the guy who's going to turn a nil nil into a one nil. Okay, that brings us to the end of uh, Ken Early's report on sport. I want to book a holiday. I want the flights, the hotel, some flattering new bikinis, a big silly hat, and nice dinners in local restaurants with cute waiters. And I want no. I have to be beach ready. So I need to be a regular saver. KBC understands spending is easy, but saving is hard. That's why we have a range of savings options with tempting rates that make saving simple. So you can save when you want and spend when you want. Visit kbc.ie, call 1-800-515253 or pop into any KBC hub in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Galway. KBC, the bank of you. Terms and conditions apply. KBC Bank Ireland PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Okay, one of the most amazing games in Premier League history last night. I don't think anyone would uh, 
would doubt that. In a game that looks to have had a pretty decisive impact on the destination of the Premier League title, we're joined now by Miguel Delaney and Dion Fanning. You were there, Miguel. Uh, a lot of people talking about this as being the moment when Hubris took down Liverpool. Uh, is that what you thought watching it last night? Hey, initially, yes. Um, I think they, they played too much bad and too much maybe arrogance in their style. Well, that's perhaps understandable given what's got them there this season. But what, but what was amazing was the way that so quickly transformed from utter arrogance to absolutely blind panic. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Like, I think the one moment which kind of, the moment when it really started to happen was after Damien Delaney's goal when Yannick Bellassi got the ball out on the left and just kicked it about 40 yards past um, Glenn Johnson and the whole pitch just opened up. It, it, it completely transformed then. Yeah, I think Glenn Johnson was having a bit of a moan on Twitter about people. I think after the game, a few people might have tweeted Glenn Johnson, suggesting ways in which his performance could have been better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was an absolutely shocking piece of anything. I mean, you're talking about an experienced international defender who dives in when there's only one other player uh, in his half, one other defender in his half, and he essentially puts himself out of the game with a by missing the ball on the halfway line. Yeah, there was a, there was a recklessness, certainly. Um, it, it has been suggested, or was suggested in the immediate aftermath of the game, that uh, Johnson may not have been 100% fit at that point and possibly could have been taken off. Um, I suppose, which, which also raises other questions, even if that's not the case, but some, some of Rogers' substitutions in not bringing on Agar, bringing on Moses and Coutinho. And even just before that, there was this kind of lack of cynicism from, uh, like, Coutinho... I mean, without being maybe too blunt about it, but I suppose given the debate of the last week, if Coutinho was playing in a Mourinho team, he probably would have taken taken Balassi down. Hmm. Or sorry, t- 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 yeah, you know, cynically take ended that that pa- Palace attack would have fell, but they didn't. What about did you make of it, Dion? I mean, did, 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 uh, Miguel has just talked about you know arrogance turning into blind panic almost instantaneously. Was that your reading of what happened? I think definitely blind panic. And I, I think in two games now, the Chelsea game and uh, Palace game, Liverpool have got carried away by their their own reputation, if you like. And again, you might say that's the only way they, they can play. And I, I accept that argument. And they mightn't be where they are in the league if they hadn't played that way. But I think um, at 3-0 up, you have kind of played enough of that way for one night. Um, and to get carried away with this idea. And, you know, watching it at, at home, I thought, yeah, Liverpool could maybe go and score a few more goals here. They, they could do it. But you would, you, I think you would hope that there would be saner voices uh, on the pitch and on the sideline. And I think Rodgers got caught up, swept up in naivety. I agree with Miguel. His substitutions, uh, Coutinho came on just before the goal, before Palace's first goal, I think. But bringing Moses on uh, when I think it was 3-2, was 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 strange, and you know it's all very well to say oh, Agar was ready to come on at that point, but I I think uh, Rogers has 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 got carried away with with the, with the publicity about Liverpool to a degree as well, and this idea that they were going to win it in this in this one way. Now they're going to they're not they're unlikely to win it in that way now, but they will be seen as having lost it in that way. And I think with a bit more caution in the last couple of games at the right times. They'd be in a much stronger position. Yeah, it was interesting, Dion, even to hear him before the game saying, oh, you know, we'd take a 1-0 uh, right now. Of course we would take a 1-0. 
uh, and then play in, a, in such a way as to su- suggest that, well, the one score that was definitely never going to happen last night was a 1-0 Liverpool victory. But he said afterwards, anyway, we didn't manage the game. At 3-0, we gave them a sniff and they have some good players uh, who can punish you. Ma- so this managing the game apparently has nothing to do with the manager. Well, he's, at one point he said we didn't manage the game on the pitch, uh, which was very clearly um, <laughs> putting it on the on the, on the, on the on the supposed to play it on the sideline. Yeah, well, you know, like it was sort of suggesting that the manager is kind of helpless at that point, um, and you know, he talked about the defending being criminal and things like this. So it was it was an interesting. Uh, I, I expect Rogers over the next couple of days will come out and say that ultimately the responsibility lies with him because when he has done this in the past, that's what he tends to come back to then, even though he's made this point about defending clear. Now, the other thing about Liverpool's defence, and you can't uh, make a case for them, but they spent £25 million on, on defenders last summer and another £11 million on a goalkeeper. Uh, now, Sacco is, is the only... Uh, one of those players in the team, but they did spend an awful lot of money on defenders, uh, most, of it, most of it wasted. So when they say they need to strengthen it in defence, you kind of think, well, actually, I think there's more, there are other areas, sort of midfield isn't, isn't equipped to help out a defence in, in holding out leads. Lucas is, 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 is not the player he was before his injury. Gerard, uh, the last couple, you know, last night uh, was, was kind of absent. And, uh, he became the player many people, many of us thought he might be in, in that defensive midfield role. He's actually he, he's been excellent in that role for most most of the time. But last night he became he became the other other version of Gerard. Mm. And uh, you know they 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 did have invested money. They probably have to do it again. But they did actually the defense should be better than it is for what they've spent on it. Yeah, Miguel. I mean, what about Steven Gerrard last night? Because I know that he created two of the goals. Um, for the, or, well, there was a corner and then there was a long pass to Sturridge, which I suppose Sturridge still had quite a lot to do to turn that one into a goal. But he gets two assists. But once again, um, I mean, a player who was described as the best holding midfielder in Europe by Brendan Rodgers a couple of weeks ago. Um, surely the best holding midfielder in Europe should offer a little bit more defensive cover. Well, yeah, and I suppose that there is that other aspect of it that uh, for all the talk of leaders last night, and particularly, as you mentioned, given Gerard's position, he should be the one that's kind of keeping things calm in, the, in, in that key stage of the game. But, I mean, I, I suppose he has always... I mean, one of his greatest strengths, I mean, to a degree, kind of almost personifies the mood of the team. One of uh, Gerard's greatest strengths throughout his career has been his the way he gets swept up in things and the, the effort that brings from him. But it possibly doesn't lead to the greatest discipline just when you particularly need that kind of cool head of discipline. I mean, he's, still kind of, he's always had that kind of hero complex, even though we've seen less of it. Um, and I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't want to be too harsh, and it is possibly reactionary. But you do also wonder how much Sunday and the slip against Chelsea was playing on his mind in all this. He, 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 even early in this game tonight, he was trying a lot of kind of these, um, you know, his... his Game opening passes, and there was that, that brilliant one for I think was it was I think was it for the Johnson header. There was one in the first half anyway, which completely opened the defence. But there's still this element of him trying it a little too often again, which had seemed to fade from his game a bit this season. Yeah, we were talking a lot about Liverpool here. I mean, the another remarkable thing about last night was the 
um, appetite for the game shown by the Crystal Palace team, and particularly the, the Palace supporters, Miguel. What I mean, you know, at this stage of the season, it's always well, this team doesn't have anything to play for, and uh, you know, they, they don't really care about this result. That obviously wasn't the case last night. What was going on there? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know I know a few people who are Palace who kind of go there regularly, and the, the, the first thing they said, even in the build up to all this, they were really riled by some of Rogers' comments. And it also goes back to Manchester United as well. They, say they hate they hate this notion of kind of the, these big clubs coming down, think, thinking they're going to walk all over Palace. Um, and you know what? What comments of Rogers? What did, did Rogers suggest? Oh, was this when Rogers was saying that when when he was um, uh, after the Chelsea match, he was like, "Oh, the, the the type of football we play that'll prepare us for Palace." You know, just more yeah. defending long throws and scuffling around. Basically, there was an element, and I think the suggestion also about kind of trying to make up the goal difference as well. Although I think that, that seems to be more, more directed at Newcastle, but there is this kind of a little bit lingering well, resentment, maybe the wrong word, but there, there is this kind of edge to Palace about that perception, which is why I think they're they're really starting to pride themselves in this idea that becoming such a, a difficult place to come to. But secondly, isn't, isn't that the same with uh, a lot of clubs at, at kind of that end of the table, though? And even even taking all that into account, the atmosphere last night was. Ridiculous! It was the most amazing atmosphere I think that I've, I've seen the Premier League in in years. Well, yeah, it has been like that at Palace pretty much all season, I would say. But you're definitely right; it was whipped up into something else last night. But there was, um, I mean, I was talking to someone who was in the Palace crowd afterwards. He was saying that there, at two or three nil, a few Liverpool fans got into the home end, and there was this, there was a little bit of, um, you know, I suppose words exchanged, which is why then there was such relish. About uh, about Palace fans responding to Liverpool's chance with you're going to win F all. I wonder were they, were they really built up into the comeback. Um, the other side to it all, I suppose, is maybe that uh, I, I also wonder how much uh, Alex Ferguson was in Tony Pulis's ear over the past week, and actually kind of you know because Pulis evidently wanted this. But in saying all all that all that for about seventy eight minutes, well maybe from from the first goal basically until the seventy eight minute, Palace didn't really look like. A team that that was uh, capable of doing that. They, they looked like the team that, that Pulis picked up, and then it was only in that last twelve. Once they got to Damien Delaney goal, that this element of defiance built up again. And even the, the last few minutes of the game after uh, after the the initial three all equaliser, some of the desperation of the defending and that kind of you know intensity of application, it reminded me of uh, West Ham and Ludwig McClasco on the last day of the ninety five season with Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Pulis did say after this match, Dion, that uh, don't write Liverpool off. Uh, anything can happen this season. So maybe Alex Ferguson will be calling up Paul Lambert to inspire him ahead of uh, Aston Villa playing against Manchester City. I mean, I don't know whether Alex Ferguson would do that or whether he would feel the need to intervene in that direction in the title race. But the question now, I suppose, is Rogers said... You know, I think it's gone now. It's not completely gone. There's still a, a chance that Man City might do what Chelsea and Liverpool have been doing and choke. But uh, it does look pretty likely that they'll close it out now. In which case, Liverpool are looking at probably a second place uh, or at worst third place finish in the league, which is a good season uh, for them. But is the sense for them, I mean, that that there is something unrepeatable about what they've done this season? I mean, if they were to you know, finish this season having scored 100 goals 
um, having beaten, you know, Everton 4-0 and Arsenal 5-1 and Tottenham 5-0 at White Hart Lane and Manchester City at home and all these other great results and performances that they've had, that to have to do it all again next season uh, with the team that they have, with Steven Gerrard maybe very, very much coming towards the end now, with Luis Suarez... I mean, if Luis Suarez leaves for Real Madrid, then then they're in a radically different situation. But that repeating this, or even coming close to repeating this, is is way beyond the squad that they've got. Yeah, I don't think they could ever do it like this again. I think there's either 22 or 23 league matches this season. Liverpool league matches have had four or more goals in them, and that includes you know a five-three and a six-three. Uh, it, it's it's you know astonishing football uh, that. Um, you know, many people. I think if they if they won the league, they you know they I think they'd have let in more goals than any any other Premier League winning side. So there's there there's so much against them to actually you know to do it this way and to do it again. You would think they would need to uh, totally change or, or, or certainly evolve what what they're going to do. Uh, I do like the idea, like Miguel, what Miguel is saying there, that Liverpool sort of angered Crystal Palace with Rogers' comments. But actually, you, you needn't fear a backlash from Newcastle. You can say what you like about how many goals you'll, you'll score against Newcastle, and uh, you know there's no need to worry. They won't be they won't be pinning that up on the on the dressing room wall. Um, and I suppose there's there is still a chance that I think I think Liverpool's best chance now is maybe some overconfidence from Manchester City before before these games, thinking that they haven't won. Uh, and that might be something that gives them an opportunity, but it, it's, it is very unlikely. And everything... Look, it's very easy to say this now, because nobody, nobody predicted this at the start of the season. Nobody said Liverpool have, have the perfect conditions to make a title challenge, because nobody's expecting it. They've got the strike force to do it. Other teams are weaker. Uh, even though everybody knew most of these, most of these things were, were, the, were true, they didn't expect Liverpool to capitalise like they have. So um, whether, you know, if they do it again, uh, can they do it with the expectation that will be there next season? And that is the big thing for Liverpool. Um, and they, they've, they've always struggled when they've come into a season with massive expectation. And I think Rodgers needs to uh, evolve, evolve as a coach. I think at the moment he's seen, he's been talked about as being naive, uh, as well as being a bright young manager He's now been seen as slightly naive in the last last couple of weeks, and certainly last night. So I think he needs he needs to change, and how they do that will be interesting. Yeah, I mean they do let in a lot of goals, and they always have done since Rogers arrived. Last night I think it was the 16th time in the league they've let in two or more goals. Um, the figure from last season was 18, so a marginal improvement there. But I suppose one thing about it is it does it does suggest there is room for improvement if they can find some good defenders but um, again the, I think the big question for them is going to be can they hang on to Suarez I mean Miguel you, you were there to see this astonishing reaction from him last night um, I, I vaguely remember something similar when, when they were knocked out of the Europa League by Zenit a match which everybody I mean Suarez was by far the most disappointed man in the stadium um, to lose that match I mean Liverpool <laughs> fans I think were like well we've gone out of the Europa League why is Suarez lying on the ground beating the ground with his fists and, and crying um, as though this was this was a difficult thing to understand but you know I mean his his reaction uh, obviously very disappointed um, to have to have thrown that away last night but uh, is he still going to be there next season I mean how do you read the how do you read the, the situation with Real Madrid at the moment? Well, it was, I mean, the one thing I was thinking about, um, it's just you said that, I suppose there's two ways of looking at it. On the one hand, 
it would apparently seem to display this um, how much Suarez is now invested in this team and this club that he is so regretful of this missed opportunity. On the other hand, um, he may now want trophies that badly that it actually he's not willing to wait at all. So he might he might be even more willing to jump at such a chance. Uh, in saying all that, I do think it only it, it just comes down as you mentioned to the will Real Madrid have to basically go close or if not break the world transfer transfer record again. And even from when I was in Madrid uh, two weeks ago for the Champions League semi-finals, uh, this discussion came up a bit. And from some of the kind of the guys that work around Madrid, uh, particularly in Spanish press, the feeling now is that uh, Perez's uh, philosophy or his approach to kind of spending such money has changed a little bit. He tends to go for his his bigger buys in the seasons after failures, and is a little bit more excited if they actually win something and make something of a statement because there isn't such a need to. Uh, to make such a bombastic statement. So in that sense, maybe uh, the best thing that could uh, happen for Liverpool is uh, Liverpool is Real Madrid winning the Champions League because it might stave off the fact that, they, that Real Madrid also need this striker to um, to kind of complete their team. Uh, Dion, what, just one more quick question on uh, Chelsea because it's obviously been totally overlooked uh, after the events of last night, but... Uh, another nil-all draw at home to a, a relegation threat, soon to be relegated team. It looks like in Norwich on Sunday, and um, they've thrown away this league perhaps even more egregiously than Liverpool have, have they? I, I think uh, unquestionably because Chelsea were, were considered to be you know tight, real title challengers at the beginning of the season, and it's uh, a masterclass from Mourinho in some ways that the, the their their failures haven't been more highlighted. And I think you know again. Liverpool's sort of openness and their eagerness and their ambition is, is kind of is, is used against them in, the, in this instance. Whereas Chelsea, with Mourinho saying they never were really in it, they didn't really have a chance, uh, have been allowed to get away with with, with with kind of shocking results. You know, the, the defeat at home to Sunderland, as you say, Norwich game at the weekend, and uh, I think they've really demonstrated a different <laughs> Mourinho's. Uh, ability to, to master that. I also think with Mourinho, he seemed to kind of exhaust himself uh, after the Liverpool game. It was as if he couldn't follow uh, his own performance in the week, in week leading up to Liverpool <clears throat> after the Atletico first leg. And he was, he was sort of spent by, you know, from, his, from his own exertions. Uh, and I wonder about that, if, if he really has the appetite for all for all these games and you see it in the way he's picking fights with lots of players which he's always done but it will be interesting to see how that evolves if he can if he can bring a core of players uh, close to him that are, use, are useful enough for him in a, in a Chelsea that is a very different side to the one he arrived in that is a lot more uh, people who have asserted little empires within their in, in his in his absence since he's been gone He's, you know, he doesn't have the power over over signings that he had, and it's going to be interesting if that those methods work uh, in the future and next season. Okay, Dion Fanning, Miguel Delaney, we we'll leave it there. Thanks, a million lads. Thanks. One thing we didn't mention to the two lads there, Ken, um, was Eden Hazard mm-hmm. and the sort of running battle himself and Mourinho have been having over the last uh, seven days or so. Yeah, I mean, this is something that again we we've talked a lot about that Diego Torres book, but anybody who read that would not be surprised to see. Um, what was happening there over the last couple of days. Once again, it's a, it's the same kind of thing that was happening at Real Madrid, happening again at Chelsea. Eden Hazard comes out after the game 
the Atletico game tells um, French TV reporter, we're not built to play football, but to counter-attack. It's actually an innocuous enough comment, but it, it sticks out really like a sore thumb. You're thinking, that's not going to impress Jose Mourinho. And a player says that, because it turns out that this is one of the things that he's most, um, he, he's most interested in, is media... Uh, uniformity, the uniformity yeah. in, in his players, the message. discipline. Yeah, the game doesn't stop once the final whistle goes. You guys get out there in the mix zone, and, you, and as far as Mourinho is concerned, you're still playing the game. And anyone who steps out of line like that, I mean, what Hazard is saying is making Mourinho look bad because it suggests that his team is one-dimensional and only has one uh, method. So it's making Mourinho look bad. So it's no surprise that after that, Mourinho comes out and he's like, yeah, you know, I've seen the interview. Of course, he'd seen, he actually sit down and watch this interview. He, that's how seriously he takes it. I've seen it. Yeah, he didn't really say that much. But it's normal to hear a player like that say something, that, you know, because he's not ready. Essentially, Hazard is too selfish to... The if, best young player in the world, as you described yeah. him about six months ago. We just got knocked out because this guy is too immature and too selfish to cover his left back. We all saw what happened. You know, and, and, he, and he went on to say, uh, William played... Uh, on the left wing and there wasn't a single problem for the left back all day you know when he played there when Shirley plays on the left wing there's not a single problem for the left back when Hazard plays there oh things are a little bit different suddenly because we've got Hazard he's too selfish and he's like a child you know <laughs> but no I'm not I'm not worried about I'm not worried about but what Hazard lad, said yeah. you know so things definitely undergone a bit of a cooling there and um, oh for God's sake what is this Ken well uh, he's trying to tell us I think Kieran that it's Second captain's competition time. Oh, that's Wolfio. Has he has he any information on KBC Bank, Ken? Yes, and your favourite type of bank account. <laughs> oh, super. Well, that's the KBC regular saver account, Ken, as far as I can tell. That's right. With the help of KBC and the Irish Times, we're offering one lucky listener the chance to win a €500 Euro cash prize. I'd save that for a rainy day. But that's not all, because that money will come in a special limited edition second captain's P-Bezo mug, along with a set of super slick, fully branded second captain's darts, just like our TV hero Jim Bowen. Super smashing great. To enter the competition, just visit irishtimes.com slash secondcaptains and click on the KBC link for more information. Visit the KBC regular saver page on kbc.ie. Terms and conditions apply. And I don't need to tell you bank fans that KBC Bank <laughs> Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Uh, thank you very much, Ken. Uh, we're joined now by Kieran Canning, a journalist based in Spain. Uh, and Kieran, this is the first time in over a year that all three of the big teams failed to win their game this weekend. So I suppose we should probably take this in chronological order, really. Barcelona were out first, drew two all at home with uh, Hetafe, after which Sergio Busquets said that we made mistakes that professionals shouldn't make. What exactly was he on about? I think it was the way in which they didn't see the game out. I think the Barcelona result was more understand, like you can understand it because it was the first, the first of the three um, they didn't Think they were they they depended on themselves to to win the league. Um, they went to one up with about twenty five minutes to go, and then had a spell of about five ten minutes where they could easily have scored a third or even fourth goal. Um, and it's the type of game that if it had been in the middle of the season, you expect that they would have scored the third goal and saw the game out. But it kind of had a bit of an end of season feel to it. Um, Barcelona weren't very intense. They, they gave off that impression of a a team that that thought that their chances had gone and they were just going through the motions, really. And then they were punished for it in the last minute. Um, Tafe, who fight for relegation themselves, and I think that's going to be very important in the run-in because all three, uh, all three teams play teams that are still fighting for their lives. So Tafe um, got a, a very important point from their point of view in stoppage time. And I think the goal that Barcelona conceded was very sloppy, and that's what Busquets himself was talking about. Um, 
came down Barcelona's right-hand side, which is a power topic talking point at the moment with um, Dani Alves' future up in the air, and then the ball into the box, and um, they were being the greatest with, with balls, high balls into their own box, and uh, Lafita got a good header onto it. So, but the, but the interesting thing was afterwards, you know, the most of the conversation was about the fact that Martino is now almost certainly gone. Um, looks like Luis Enrique is going to come in. Luis Enrique was who's currently the manager of Celta Vigo, which is another, another issue because Celta Vigo play Real Madrid this weekend coming. Um, he was pictured uh, having a meeting with Indonesia Bizarreta, the Barca sporting director, yesterday. So afterwards, Martino admitted that pretty much he didn't say explicitly, but he said uh, sometimes you don't deserve a second chance. He seemed to give up almost in the league. Um, Xavi was very critical, I thought, of the players more than more than the manager. who said that you know we have to make a lot of improvements next next year. And that's yeah, he said he said like uh, we have to wipe the slate the slate clean and start again, which sounded a bit radical. And um, but if they are going to go for Luis Enrique, it doesn't sound like they're wiping the slate clean. They're just sort of picking I the remains. Of... This is a very Barcelona thing. There's this desire to go to go even more back to the Barcelona way that they feel as if this year with Martino they got someone in from the outside. Who wasn't brought up in the club? Um, never played for the club. Never come through the the, the youth system, um, and that, that had been a radical change from what they'd been through in the past few years. And that they're hoping that with Luis Enrique, they almost get like a Guardiola too. Luis Enrique was um, in the, the the coaching system with the youth teams when Guardiola was still there, um, and that was seen as being possibly the the heir to Guardiola until he Luis Enrique got the offer to go to Roma. Um, and was there for a year, which didn't work out that great. He's actually done quite well with stuff of this season, um, so we'll see how that how that works out. Yeah, um, Atletico Madrid after this fantastic win at Stamford Bridge, uh, went and lost two 0 What happened to them? Again, I think this one was, was relatively understandable in the fact that when you've seen so many of Atletico's games this season, they're not a great side coming from behind, which is for me what made their comeback at Stamford Bridge um, even more impressive. The type of team that built on a very strong defence. They like to get ahead in the game early on and then try and see it out and they've done that time and time again in recent weeks. In the league, I don't think they've played particularly well for a number of weeks now, but they've won a lot of games, 1-0 or 2-0, or but it's the second goal has become, has become very late on in the game when, when the other team's caught in the counter-attack. So there's almost the feeling that eventually one time they're going to get away with playing like that. Um, and against Levante, who are a team almost... A poorer version of Atletico. They're built in the same, the same style. Um, Played away to Levante is always difficult. Barcelona only drew there this year. Real Madrid won three two, but we're losing two one going into stoppage time. Scored two goals in stoppage time, so it's one of those tricky, tricky away games. Um, and Atletico scored an own goal very early on, and then we're chasing the game. Um, and we're actually quite unlucky. I mean, throwing out a number of good saves, they missed some good chances, and then got caught themselves in the counter attack late on so again that was one that you could see when they conceded the other goal um, and with the chances they had they had the post as well it just seemed as if it wasn't one of those days for them um, I, at least from the Vice point of view they still have it in their own hands yeah they still do have it. I mean I saw the goal by Cristiano Ronaldo it was an unbelievable goal uh, that he scored I think Real Madrid's 100th of the season and also another goal by um, Sergio Ramos who really just seems to be rampant in recent weeks I think he's got uh, he's got the back catalogue of uh, second captains. He's going through it. He's to motivate him for every game. Uh, but no, he's uh, he's he's himself. He's going to start charging forward. So um, he, especially last weekend, um, he was 
he was marching forward at every opportunity. He scored against us. Yeah. Got his two goals against Bayern in the week, and uh, and yeah, scored again at, at the weekend. But I think from from a confidence point of view, from way of, way of how they come out of the weekend, I think Real Madrid were almost the most damaged in the sense that they've seen the other two teams before them drop points, um, and thought this is a real opportunity to put a lot of pressure on Letico, making Letico having to go to the camp now. And, um, whereas as it is now, Letico can get a draw. And when you saw the reaction of the Real Madrid players at the end. And Xavi Alonso nearly booted the ball into the sort of third tier the press for standing because he was so frustrated. Um, and all the players kind of sunk to their knees and things. And I think they, they saw that as a really big opportunity. Well, they basically need Barcelona to do them a favour now. But I wondered, I mean, we, we all saw the situation over the weekend where um, Manchester City played at Everton and you could hear the crowd at Goodison weren't quite getting behind their team in the usual sort of way uh, in a situation like that. Barcelona are just going to the Barcelona crowd. I mean, are just going to be cheering for Atletico in that game. Yes, but there is a caveat to that, which is Real Madrid have two not you know not seriously difficult but awkward away games before the, that final that final weekend of the season. They play finally the way tomorrow night. Finally, um, they're in the relegation zone, and again, they're one of those awkward teams to play away from home. They haven't lost at home in quite a few months. They beat Barcelona at home. Um, and then they play Celta Vigo away the other weekend, as I was saying earlier, and Celta won a good run. And this is almost like the perfect audition for Luis Enrique as, as you know, future Barcelona manager. Can he take points off Real Madrid? In which case, if Real Madrid were to drop more points in the next uh, couple of games, it would be back in Barcelona's hands, and, and Barcelona, for all that's gone on, could still end up winning the league this year. Okay, Kieran, that's brilliant. Thanks, Wayne. Okay, no problem at all. Okay, sounds like uh, Atletico Madrid had a chance to make this a lot easier on themselves uh, than uh, is otherwise the case at the moment. But that's pretty much it for Second Captain's Football for today. Ken, I'd like to thank you very much for your help. Thank uh, you too, Kieran. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, chat to you all on Thursday. We And of course, our uh, Second Captain's show will be out in the next couple of hours as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. Okay, folks, check you later. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 